Let's go to Exodus chapter 16 tonight, okay? Exodus 16. We're going to begin tonight in verse number one, and uh, we'll just get to where we can go get to in this chapter tonight. We've been we've been looking uh, at the last few weeks that we've met on Wednesday night at uh, different things that have going on with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Tonight we uh, we we come to chapter sixteen, the chapter fifteen, uh, chapter fourteen. They were coming. They crossed the Red Sea. Chapter 15, they, uh, they get to the place of uh, Mara where the water is bitter and God gives them uh, sweet water. And uh, we get to chapter 16 tonight as they continue their journey. Let's just begin reading in verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, After their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness. To kill this whole assembly with hunger. So tonight we're going to look at this thought. What is our expectation when we seek to follow the Lord? What do what we, we expect from God? Father, I, I want to pray tonight as we get in the word this evening. Uh, Father, we, we looked at just a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night of how in just three days... Uh, our hearts can get completely away from you. And you can do a miracle in our life, and just a few days later we forget all about that, and we look at what we don't have, and our eyes get off of you, and on our problems, and on ourselves, and God, we need to be brought back to that tonight. And so I thank you, for this group of people who have assembled together tonight. And I pray for your blessing upon us. And I want to say something tonight that speaks to the heart of every person that is here. That they get a truth, a principle tonight that affects their own personal life. And that we're very conscious of our relationship and our walk with you. And also our relationship with everyone else who is around us, how it affects everyone. And so would you please help us tonight. Help me to speak your word, and may you answer us when we pray this evening. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So for 430 years, you go back to Exodus chapter 12, it's been 430 years since Israel went into Egypt. And that's a, that's a long time. I mean, especially when you consider 
our nation is only 246 years old, and it seems like we've been around forever. For 430 years, they had spent time in Egypt. And of course, it got to the point where it was very, very bad when you get to Exodus chapter 1, when the Pharaoh was, became concerned over the number of Israelites that were in his country, and he saw them as a military threat, and he began to persecute them and uh, caused them a lot of bondage and burdens to the point that they were concerned if, when they were, became pregnant if they were to have a little boy, uh, they were concerned that that little boy would be taken from them and, of course, murdered. And we know what happened in how God delivered Moses uh, from such a situation. They have been away from Egypt when we get to chapter 16 for about a month. They've been traveling and uh, they've already witnessed the Lord doing so many amazing things in their life. They, they can't say God's not listening, God's not providing, God doesn't care about me. They cannot say that because the Lord continues to show himself mighty in their life. I mean, they just crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, okay? They just had that incredible experience uh, just a short while ago. And so, uh, what we find, though, throughout their, their journey, the common thread that is woven throughout their departure is they have a negative spirit of murmuring and complaining. And I don't care if, you, if it's a church, if it's a family, if it's a, uh, a sports team, if it's a uh, business, if you are in a culture where people are always murmuring and complaining and roll their eyes over everything, I'm going to tell you something. You can never be happy, you can never be at peace, and you're never going to be successful. Never. It's going to be a place where you dread going to and dread being a part of. Yet that is, that is the, the thread, that's the common theme of their life and the way that they perceive everything. In verse number two, the Bible says that the whole congregation murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And that, that murmuring, that complaining, that negative spirit would plague them for the rest of their life because they would deny themselves from ever getting to a place where they could trust the Lord and just have faith that God could take care of things. If we can never get to a place where we believe God can, it's a miserable life. It's miserable. Because you're always focusing on the bad things, the negative things. And so when, when you look through the course of their life, for the next two years, they're, they're journeying and they get to the promised land. And remember Moses sends out the 12 spies and they come back, and what do they do? They say, yeah, it's a beautiful place. It is, it is a pretty incredible place, as a matter of fact. But I'm telling you, it's too difficult. It's too challenging. The walls are too big. They're, the people are too big. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy that their testimony discouraged everyone. 
So roughly 10 men, because Caleb and Joshua believed they could go, 10 people discouraged an entire nation from experiencing the blessing and power of God. So, let me tell you something. Your face and your words and your body language affects everybody around you. It affects your home life. It affects your, it affects your church. It affects everything. So you've got to be conscious of that. Well, they're... they're their spirit is one that often complained. They, they often failed to recognize the blessings. And instead, they always focused on where they were lacking. And the truth is that anytime we consider quitting in life, no matter what it is, it's because we've lost the passion that led us to begin the journey in the first place. If you ever think, David... If you ever think about quitting, it's only a matter of time before you do. Because you allow that thought to creep in and you just say, it's easier to quit, it's easier to just walk away. And it's because you forgot why you started it to begin with. I mean, I'm talking to these guys, right? Why did you ever join the team? Because you wanted to be a part of it, right? And yet many people quit. Why did you even join the church? Because there was something about it you loved. Why did you even get saved, Darren? When you got saved, God and church and God's people were the greatest thing in the world. And somewhere along the way, we, we start focusing on the wrong things and we lose our passion for what used to be important to us. And... We, we allow that to creep in our relationships. We allow that to creep in ourselves, And the next thing you know, we're always focusing, rather than on the good things, we're always focusing on the wrong things. Israel was in the wilderness. They're on this journey because they begged God to deliver them from their bondage. You and I are here on a Wednesday night because... At least I hope everyone in here tonight, if you have it, you need to make that decision. You're here tonight because you beg God to deliver you from your sin. You ask the Lord to save you. And you ask the Lord to change you. And so that is, that is how it began for us. And he delivered them, but there was always a reason that they were unhappy. And I believe one of the reasons they always lost their way is because they kept their eyes on Moses and not the Lord. Amen? Rather than come together, think about this. Rather than come together in one accord and pray for God to provide food, they just went to Moses and started complaining to him. And they began to murmur to him and say, why did you lead us here? Rather than just talking to God about it, say, God, we're hungry, we need some food. And coming together and praying, because they're all hungry. Let's come together and let's pray about it, amen? Let's pray about it, let's talk to the Lord about it. But a lot of times people don't do that. And instead, it's, it's, there's a little grumbling here and a little grumbling here. And next thing you know, everybody's grumbling and everybody's discouraged. And everybody's got an opinion and everybody's troubled about something. And their eyes get off the Lord and suddenly they just would rather walk away. 
Moses, Moses walked with God, and he was no doubt God's chosen man for the task. But Moses was not omniscient, omnipotent, or omnipresent. Amen? There were limitations on Moses. And there are limitations on every individual. But many people have been hurt through the years because they were more intentional to follow a man rather than follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So, they begin... They began to complain. I uh, recently I was uh, I was down on my face praying, Thomas, and I was just talking to the Lord, and I felt very burdened for our church. And I just honest with him. I said, Lord, I uh, I feel inadequate to pastor such a great church and such a great number of people, and I don't. I don't feel capable. I don't feel that I could do a great job of doing such a thing. And Brandon, my next thought was this. And I told the Lord to help me to do this. If my, if my intention was to draw everyone to myself, then I will fail miserably. But if I can direct everyone to the good shepherd and get everyone to trust in the Lord and to put confidence in him, then we can go forward together. Amen? They're complaining and murmuring in verse 2 against Moses. What they find out in a little bit that they're murmuring in a complaint was really just against the Lord. So what was their complaint? Look in verse number 3. They thought of where they once sat and what they once did in their former life. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They thought of where they used to hang out and they thought of what they once did in a time in their past. And because their stomachs are growling, their mind right now is on the food that they once had. But the same principle is true for any lust of the flesh, any lust of the eyes, or any personal pride. I mean an an addict, for example. All right? An addict, for example. There's the urge to forget about the pain and the hurt their habit had caused them and everyone else. And they just got to have it one more time to fulfill a moment's pleasure. And, and you can forget everything. You can forget, you can forget all the trouble it's caused you. But just for a moment, if you could feel that again, you think about the feeling and not the pain and the result. But you don't have to be an addict to be overcome with temptation, right? We can be a strong Christian individual who suddenly lose interest in following the Lord by focusing on our ever-changing desires. So we can be a strong Christian and suddenly just decide, I'm I'm done and I'm going to walk away. 
Look, in, in, in verse number 3, the Israelites stated they would rather have God killed them in Egypt when their bellies were full than for Moses to drag them into the wilderness life that they were now living. They, they forgot the misery that they suffered. They forgot the bondage that they were in. They forgot all of that stuff. And they just thought about, but back there my belly was full. Back there I had, uh, I think about the good old days. I think about the good times. I think about those things. And you forget about all the misery and stuff that made you even want to leave that life to begin with. But they, they focus on that rather than on the journey that God's leading them on now. So they would rather serve their taskmasters in daily bondage and die rather than live every day trusting the Lord's care for them through faith. And that's a strong statement to make that they make in verse 3. I'd rather die with my belly full than have to go through this life trusting the Lord to take care of me as I live by faith. The idea of getting out of bondage sounded great, but if they couldn't live life on their terms, they would rather just return to their old way of life. And that's, that's, just, that's just crazy. But people do it all the time, all the time, all the time. Without Christ, I want you to think about this. Without Christ, you were lost in your sin. You had no hope of heaven. You had no hope for eternity, right? But we don't think about that. What we think about is without Christ, Sundays and Wednesdays I could live for myself. There was no expectation to go to church. And so when we become prone to wander and we lose the passion we had when we started, we place our eyes on everyone and everything but the Lord and we start wanting to lay out and other things start taking priority. You follow me? You're quiet. Give me an amen. I want you to, okay, help me out, all right? I feel like I'm, I'm just talking to myself tonight. So how does a person get there? You're saved. You're blood washed. I'm going to heaven. How does a person walk away? How does it happen? Because somewhere you lose the passion of why you even got saved to begin with. And you lose the desire and the, and the want to. And you want your, your, it used to be now I go to sleep and I got this peace and joy, right? Now, now Stephen will tell you this. We've, we've had a lot of people come in the Hope House. And everybody who comes in is very excited to be here. And I always tell them... Tell me if you're still excited to be here in three months, right? Because the new, everybody's excited to start a new job. You know, everybody's excited to move in a new house until we sell it and look for a new house. Instead of, until we start looking for another job. Everybody's excited at the beginning. But can you stay faithful through it? You can stay faithful if you keep your eyes and your priorities where they need to be. 
But somewhere along the way, we get our eyes off the Lord and we start focusing on, on things that are really us. And you think, well, you know what? I used to not have to go to church on Sunday and we could just go do these things and forget Wednesday. And suddenly, suddenly, we just start drifting out a little bit. Without Christ, there was no expectation to serve. I mean, everybody's busy, amen? Well, a few of you are. The truth is, everybody's busy. Everybody's got things going on. I mean, we, we work a number of hours. You add commute in there, and it spends most of our time. We, have, we all have household chores. Many of us have ball games and practices. We have homework. We have housework. We have all of that stuff to do. And, and, and suddenly we say, you know what, I, I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to, to minister and, and help out in different areas. And I'd rather just keep to myself like I did while I was in Egypt. Just minding my own business back then. And all of a sudden, everything you love about your church goes away because the people who continue to serve can't do it all and they burn out. Amen? Without Christ... Without Christ, I never tithed. I never gave to support the ministries of the church. I put that in some pleasure, car payment or something. I, I never supported world evangelism through missions, and I would occasionally donate my change at the cash register uh, to support some cause, you know, and, and, and get your name put on the, on the window, right? And uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll give my 35 cents, or I'll give a dollar to some... some particular cause and I don't even know where that money's going to and I'd give a dollar maybe to the, some guy on the street that's holding a cardboard sign and I'd I'd do something to feel better about myself but I'd rather go back to Egypt than to give away my hard-earned cash so why do why do I need to give why do I need to tithe and give to the Lord and and we could get into the principles of that. But without Christ, there was never any expectation to read and study the Word of God, much less obey it. I, I, I mean, I, I've heard the excuses through the years. I've tried reading the Bible, but I rarely understand it. Well, just stay in the Bible, just keep in the Bible, and you'll start to understand it. Amen? You'll start to learn, and you'll start to grow, and... I come to church and I hear preaching and sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's very convicting and sometimes I get easily distracted and sometimes it's only so-so. Besides, why do I need the word anyways? I'm already going to heaven, right? I'm already saved, I'm already going to heaven and I'm a slow reader. And so rather than reading the Bible and understanding God's word, I'd rather watch a movie. And prayer... I mean, probably every one of us believed in prayer before we got saved. Whenever, whenever we were in trouble, we asked God to get us out of it. God, get me out of this. And we made a lot of promises that we never did keep because we didn't expect God to uh, expect us to follow through on them. But now that I'm a Christian, I'm taught that talking to the Lord regularly is a means of fellowship with God, and it helps me to get my will lined up with God's will. I'm taught that. But I'm pretty satisfied with my will, and God's will has me hungry out here in the wilderness in verse 3. And so, you know, if God loved me, and, and I'm supposed to have this fellowship and walk with God, then why am I hungry? And what kind of will is that? 
Without Christ, I never talked to a stranger. But now I'm taught that it's my responsibility to share the good news of the gospel with others. Why do I have to do that? Because I'm not a preacher. And I'm much better at sharing the bad news and complaining with my friends because that's more of my personality, right? We'd rather be slaving at our job every day, hoping our kids turned out okay, not knowing what tomorrow holds, instead of investing in the spiritual walk of my loved ones and trusting the one who holds our tomorrow, right? And so despite all that God has done to their enemy, despite all that God had done to Egypt and the miraculous ways that God had delivered them, despite the crossing of the Red Sea and the bitter waters made sweet, the Israelites murmured and complained because the Lord was not meeting their expectations. And their murmuring became directed at Moses. But their problem was really with the Lord. Look at verse 8. Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So our murmuring and complaining pulls us away from faith in the Lord because our complaints are usually rooted in our expectations. So we go back to verse 3, and what are, what are expectations? Because if we're going to see the bad in their murmurings, we must reasonably consider their circumstance and why they're murmuring to begin with. And that is, at the end of the verse, they're all hungry. And I don't think that that makes our radar when we consider following the Lord with our life. Nobody says, I'm going to get saved and I'm going to follow the Lord so I can be hungry. Nobody says that. Our version of God is one who keeps our bellies full, our prayers answered, our heat turned on, and provides us a life without worry. That's our expectation of God. We expect heaven while living in a sin-cursed world. And we expect perfection despite our own sinful actions. I've thought about this a lot this week, Darren. I, I thought, um, you get this time of year and, and everybody's passionate about football and they're passionate about their team and everybody's got an opinion and yada, 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 right? I've often thought that if you really want to see hypocrisy, it's for me to expect perfection out of my football team. While I expect far less in my own life. I expect everybody else to be perfect. But I'm just going to do the best that I can and be okay with it. Our expectations get us in trouble. The Israelites were hungry. They wanted food. But the lesson here is, as Jesus taught, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And like the Israelites, this is where many say, nope, I don't want this life, and I'd rather just go back to Egypt. 
when uh, I was studying for this and I, I got to thinking. So Garrett Wade was one years old when I first became a lead pastor. And uh, I was working in construction. For that time, for the first 10 years that I was in ministry, I just loved serving in the church. I loved going and preaching and telling people about Jesus. But at the, at the end of the day, I went home, and the pastor took care of everybody's problems, and I didn't have to care about any of that, right? I just told people about Jesus. And I did construction work, and I was building a business, and gaining a reputation, and I loved that. And the Lord changed my heart, and he gave me a heart to pastor, and he gave me a different heart toward people. And it completely changed me. And it changed my... What I thought that I was going to do, I just thought I would serve in the church, help out, and uh, my pastor is bivocational anyways. I never expected to be on staff anywhere. I'm, I'm just going to do construction work and, and, you know, make a good living and uh, take care of my family. And, but as God began to develop my heart, I like construction work less and less. And he gave me a church to pastor, and I wanted to pastor that church as best I could. And uh, I think I told you this before. I started out with a salary of $900 a month. And I couldn't believe they were paying me to preach. I couldn't believe it. But the church began to grow. And as the church began to grow, they'd pay me more of a salary. And as, as a result of that, I would try to do less and less construction work. And I, we finally got to the point where we decided we're going to go all out. And we're going, we're, going to, we're going to pastor this church and we're going to see it grow. We're going to be all in. And my explanation to my wife is this. It's God's will and God's going to take care of us. And somewhere along the line, we started getting hungry. And we started to have to sell things and get rid of things. And we decided to, I built us a house before, as we got married. And, and um, the four boys were in that house and we sold that house uh, to take that money and invest it in a, something else so that we could be more dedicated to ministry and, and live with less. And so we sold the house pretty quick. And we didn't have a place to live, so we, uh, we took Christy's uncle's mobile home. He had just passed away. And so we moved in his 750-square-foot home with four young boys. And she was pregnant with Claire. But it was only temporary, right, babe? Until two years later. Two years later. And we kind of got to the point where maybe we messed up. Maybe we messed up. And maybe we just need to do something different. And I was at the point where I was just ready to just get back in construction and uh, we'll just continue 
the best we can, and um, we'll just see what happens. And then Shane Lewis called, and I came on staff here, right? We think that if we follow the Lord, our refrigerator is going to be full. We're going to have the best job. Everything is going to be taken care of. But sometimes the Lord leads us through the wilderness to get us to where he wants us to get to. And in the process, we learn to put more faith and trust in him. Amen? So why did he do it in their life? Let's, let's close up. In verse 4 and verse 13, the Lord was going to provide bed, uh, bread in the morning and quail in the evening. And he would only give enough for one day at a time. Now, I like to have money in the bank, don't you? I don't want just, I don't want my daily bread. I want enough bread for a couple of weeks. Okay? But he's just going to give it to them enough for one day at a time. And then he was, he's, he provides instructions throughout this chapter of how and when they were to collect. In the morning, they would find this bread upon the ground, and they would go and collect it, and they were, they were to get one omer per person. And they would collect that, and they would bring it in, and that was their food for the morning, for the day. And sometimes they decided, well, I'm not going to follow the Lord, and I'm going to keep it for leftovers the next day. And they get up the next day, and it's full of worms. It's just gone bad. And God said, I told you just for today. And they, he provided quail. Every evening, God brought the quail in there, and they had flesh to eat that night. And he provided enough for everybody to eat that night so that nobody was hungry. Everybody was taken care of. And then for the Sabbath day, he didn't want them, he didn't want them going doing that on the Sabbath and preparing their food. So they were to get twice as much the day before the Sabbath, and the next day, that bread didn't have any worms. It was perfect. It was ready for them to eat. God set it up that way, and yet some of them go out on the Sabbath day to collect their food. And God got on to them about that. Mankind got himself into trouble in Genesis chapter 3, when he decided to go his own way and follow his own will, rather than trust God at his word. God said this, and we were to obey. But man says, nope, I want my way. I want my will. And it got us all into trouble. And we still struggle with the same thing today, don't we? We still put our will and our way above God's word and God's will. So why did the Lord provide for them in this manner? Look at verse 6. And Moses and Aaron said unto the, all the children of Israel, At even, 
Then you shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. So every evening, God provided that they would be reminded it was the Lord who delivered them out of their bondage. Amen? God reminds us. This is, this is where you were. Now I'm providing for you. I'm the one who delivered you out. Verse 7. And in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Lord. For that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? Every morning they would see the glory of God through his provision. And him taking care of their daily bread. And in verse number 8. Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurs which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. That every day they would know God hears their grumblings and complainings. He knows our needs before we ever ask them. So tonight, before we give into the temptation to focus on the reasons what we have to complain and develop a negative spirit about our present circumstances, let's trust the Lord with it and bring our needs to Him and even our wants to Him. Rather than just saying, God don't love me and God can't take care of me. Take it to him. Say, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm facing. Lord, I'm hungry. I got kids to feed. We're hungry. Could you provide for us? Could you do something for us? Rather than just start talking about how bad God is. Amen? Keep your passion. Love the Lord. Thank God you're saved. Every time you pray, stop and say, God, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for loving a sinner like me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for getting me to where I'm at. Start out by praising the Lord and giving thanks to him for all things. And then tell him, but I'm hungry. But I got this need in my life. And Lord, I'm tempted I'm tempted to wander. I'm tempted to leave. I'm tempted to walk away. I'm troubled. Would you help me? Would you reignite that fire? Would you help me to go forward with you? Would you help put a smile on my face and a joy in my heart and a love for you? Father, I pray tonight that you help us to put our faith and our focus upon you. I pray tonight that you would direct our hearts. Father, we live in a very negative society. I mean, when we're on social media, we see a lot of negative things. We are surrounded. I mean, our, our workplaces, everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is overwhelmed with responsibility. Everybody is troubled in their spirit in some way. And I pray, Father, that it doesn't run over into our spiritual life. That we don't develop a spirit of discouragement and a spirit of uh, discouraging other people because of where we're at. 
Help us, Lord, to find our joy in you. Help us to be faithful to you, to love you. And God, when we have those needs, and sometimes we're going to have them, we understand that. Sometimes we get to a place and we don't have the answers. We, we get the bad news we're going to lose our job or, or we just don't have the money to pay the bill. Sometimes we struggle. But Lord, help us to take that need to you and ask you to fulfill it and meet it and take care of it. And trust and believe that you can. This life that we live is sometimes scary. We don't always have the answers. And that is because it is a life lived by faith. It is an adventure that has you at the helm. And you are leading us along the way. And it is a lot better life than living in the bondage of our sin, troubled with our past and our decisions, and overwhelmed with a burden that we carry every day. Thank you for loving us and for saving us. I pray this tonight in the name of Jesus.